0: Our episode this week is an interview with Lisa Paisley, who is the district coordinator for elementary STEM, and Lindsay Gatfield, who is our district elementary math TOSA. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for coming here.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: We are here to talk specifically about standards-based gradings in elementary. So a year and a half ago, the district went to a fully standards-based report card for grades K-6, through and so we want to talk a little bit today about what standards-based grading is, how it's different from traditional grading, and what is the journey that Saddleback has taken to get to this point today. So Lisa, can you tell us kind of the summary of what is standards-based grading and how is it different from traditional points-based grading?
1: Okay, sure. I I think the main difference, when I think about it anyway, is the difference between averaging out points on assignments that teachers have decided to assign and really focusing on effort and completion of a certain percentage of that effort versus looking at a specific academic standard and thinking, as a teaching professional, Did the child meet this standard or not? Did they exceed this standard? Are they far below this standard? So really paying attention to the actual academic standard and the child's ability to meet that standard versus work production, um, homework completion, averaging of scores. So a child could really, in theory, start on the first day of school and have mastered a standard without completing any work whatsoever. There's other issues that come up with that, of course, in terms of um, work ethic and behavior that have to be addressed. But for me, that's a key difference is that we're grading the student on their ability to meet a standard versus their ability to perform or be um, a good person that's doing everything they're supposed to do.
0: You mentioned changing from the idea of averaging. What are some of the problems with the idea of averaging points over a three-, four-, five-month period.
1: Sure. So I think that a lot of times we see that students struggle in the beginning of a trimester or a quarter and depending on the number of students that a teacher decides to assign or is able to score or decides to put in the grade book, that student, because they had low scores in the beginning, is never able to recover in traditional grading and get an A or a B. Um, Those points, especially if they were more heavily weighted for any reason, a larger assignment, prevent the child from ever being able to demonstrate proficiency in traditional A, B, C, D grading. Um, With standards-based grading, the goal is to Look for the preponderance of evidence that a student has met that standard. And that could be at any time. We're looking for consistent progress and consistent demonstration of that, but it might be on the very last assignment, whereas all or assessment, whereas all the student had struggled all along. So in traditional grading, you could average out points that would have great variance. A student struggling, excelling, struggling, excelling. That child could have the same average um, as a student who really struggled and then excelled at the end. So it doesn't give us a lot of information when we're averaging scores. Measures of central tendency are flawed in that. It's just an average, and it doesn't really let us know, can this child do this or not?
0: It sounds similar to me to the kind of distinction between formative assessments and summative assessments. As we're moving along with a student, we we give them formative assessments. We don't expect them to have mastered that standard at that point so we typically don't include that in a grade calculation however it's calculated is that is that a similar a, a similar analysis
1: I think, I think so. I think that with standards-based grading, you select a little bit more carefully what you're actually going to put in the grade book because the student is allowed to struggle and practice and have times where they're not demonstrating proficiency, and then we may have a more summative assessment where we're analyzing have they mastered this standard or not. But all of those things may not go and contribute into the grade because really we're looking for, it, it could just be one assignment, one grade where the student is able to demonstrate that mastery.
0: I've, I've heard it um, compared to practicing for a, a sport, for a game, where you practice and you don't get scored either positive or negative on the practice. You get feedback, and then at the time of the game, it's your job to perform, and you can either perform well or not, depending on how well, how well you practiced. But in the game, you don't get extra points because you practiced well, and you don't get points taken away because you didn't practice well. So that's the analogy that I've heard.
2: That's a good analogy. I like that. I also have, so teachers who are keeping track of student progress towards mastery of a standard, I have heard of them replacing that as they get to the summit of assessment so they know where a student is at throughout the unit or throughout whatever it is they're working towards and then they're replacing that when they see actually where the student is at with the summative assessment or wherever they are so that they can keep working towards proficiency in that standard and it's not just a one-time thing we did this practice sheet and now they're done they get to keep building up their knowledge until the very end
0: so it tends to support better instructional practices that we that we know work better absolutely so How did Saddleback get to this point? How did we develop this standards-based grading system that we have now?
1: Good question. It's been a multi-year process to get to the point of making this decision. Every summer, Saddleback, or almost every summer, Saddleback has a report card committee um, that's run by district leadership. And just fine-tuning different things that are working and not working. When um, the Common Core standards came out, we realized that there was a clear need to revise the report card because the language of the Common Core standards was completely different than the 1998 standards. So that was the beginning of, of thinking about all of this and Most of the teachers that came to that committee, and it was a committee of about 50 teachers, were really ready to jump right in. They had heard of other districts that were doing standards-based grading and go to a one through three or one through four based system for for the standards. Um, not everyone uh, in leadership was quite ready to do that. Thinking of the community, there's a lot of ed- parent education that needs to go into this. 50 teachers out of, you know, 600 isn't everybody. Um, so realizing that some people might not quite be ready to make that leap, we adjusted that report card just to have the common core language in it. Then the following summer, we did a hybrid report card. Um, There was still the the voices advocating for standards-based, and so we had um, a traditional grade of an A, B, C, or D for the overall category of English language arts, math. And then underneath that, um, for each of the claims, for reading, writing, listening, speaking, if you will, the teachers were able to give a mark of one through three. At that point, we didn't have a four. We just decided um, that a three meeting the standard was enough because it was already underneath the traditional grade. And so that was kind of our hybrid. Um, I believe, if I'm speaking accurately, that K2 has always just had.
2: Yeah, we had a one through four, and then we went to one to three before the standards based report card
1: yeah, there was a lot of debate as to whether or not to include the four, which is exceed standards, because it isn't enough that they've just met standards. So we tried that first. Um, there was a lot of pushback from from parents and other teachers that felt like there was a real need to be able to give that four if you had exceeded the standards. And for those kids that were clearly above, you know, they had entered school mastering all of those math standards. What do we do to, there's still that mindset a little bit of rewarding um, that's just, I think, human nature. Um, and so then we had that report card for two years. And then um, about a year ago, two, summer of 2018, we met and uh, just decided to go for it, that it was time. We had explored the Common Core Standards. It was really challenging for us to grade uh, with our new English Language Arts series, because teachers were getting one through four scores in that program, and that was more standards-based. And the language of our report card, even though it was a hybrid, wasn't really working out. So we decided to go one through four, add the four back in, and do that for K six in all subjects.
0: How's that been received?
1: Well, I think initially um, it was, it still felt like, despite all of the different years of exploring this and the people that were researching this and thinking that we were going slowly and branching, and I think it was a little bit of a shock to some people. Um, I think. Admittedly, probably you know having training one day before school started was was not the most prudent way to go about it. Um, but it really evolved over the course of that summer. Can we do this? Can we pull this off? Um, the committee felt like you know this we could get this done. Um, you were able to work with Aries and get it all in there, and so it was just kind of time to jump in, and then. Um, we did little after-school trainings for people that were interested, um, support with setting up grade books, understanding the theory of standards-based grading as the year went on. And then this year, we've been able to do a little bit of a better job of of really um, educating teachers on the theory. Um, parents, actually, despite the onset, seemed really comfortable with it. I haven't heard a lot of um, parent concerns.
2: That parent handout that we gave that described what a one, two, three, and four looked like. I've heard from teachers that parents still have that and are referencing it and using it in their conversations with teachers, which is great. They're being educated and bringing that back up. Mm -hmm. And the
1: biggest concern that I've heard initially from parents and even still a little bit from teachers is what's the difference between a three and a four? What's the difference between meeting the standard through and through and exceeding the standard? What's that going above and beyond? You know, which we've equated a little bit to the difference between being able to ride a regular bicycle really well and being able to ride a unicycle really well. Um, But the parent concern was... um, That I heard by and large was why is my child going to continue to work harder if someone is able to get a three just like they are without putting in as much effort? So, what incentive would they have to get the four? So, really, the concern of I want my child to have all fours, or this child is used to getting all A's, and fours are not A's, threes are also A's, right? It's apples and oranges. But what incentive does does the child have to work hard enough to get a four? But the difference is, and why it's apples and oranges, is it's not about working hard enough. It's not about that in, in, extrinsic reward or external motivation. Um, so that, that's that been, I think, the hardest thing to communicate to parents, that that's the difference is internal versus external motivation. And that's not really what we're doing one way or the other. We're looking at did your child meet the standard? And what do we need to do to help your child meet the standard? And then if they go beyond it, that's great.
0: What I hear in the in the, the, those kind of parent questions is the implicit assumption that students are motivated by grades. And while that's true of probably a small minority of, of students, we know and research shows that grades are typically not very motivating for students, that there are other factors that motivate students much more so than, I need to get the A. And even when they are motivated by that, a lot of times that's a, a, a show of compliance and not of true engagement, uh, academic strength. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, uh, you mentioned that we, <laughs> you and I went to a lot of schools and did a lot of uh, uh, staff meetings and mm-hmm. it seemed to uh, seem to be able to help teachers um, get both the technical aspects of it of how do I enter these things but also the ideas behind it why am why are we doing it this way and one of the things that I remember is that teachers were concerned that parents would feel like they weren't getting enough information because they felt like, A one, two, three, or four was not as specific as 65% or 82.4%. And one of the things that we had to talk with teachers about was that that level of specificity in the grades was an illusion. That we we weren't really evaluating a student down to a tenth of a percent because (laughs) that's just ridiculous. We know we weren't doing that. So it's... Interesting. It's, it, I'm glad to hear that you're saying that the parents are seem to be understanding and really appreciating the increased communication because, to me, I think that's one of the things about standards-based grading is the goal is communication to parents and students.
1: That's exactly right. The entire intent of a report card is communication to parents. And we've even called it a, a report to parents of your child's progress. Um, and I think that when you go to a standards-based report card, we don't have every single standard in on there because that would be really excessive and, and probably nobody needs that much information. Um, that would be quite a lot to assess and more than parents who even think they want that much information would want, um, but it really does give them specifics versus just saying, your child has an 88.7% in English language arts. Well, English language arts incorporates reading, writing, which assignments, and then that 88. point, whatever I said, percent is just calculated based on the assignments that the teacher chose to enter. And it's been really interesting in going all around to hear that both parents and some teachers are... Um, struggled with with not realizing that that wasn't consistent across all grades and all classrooms in the school district. If I chose to give an Egypt report, and I gave points for the art having sparkles, and I did, so I'm not insulting anyone that does that, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you had better art and you created a category for that versus someone that just did a straight-up report with no art, those two grades are different, and I made it worth 200 points and you made it worth 75. Or I assigned a math test and the math test had 10 questions on it and you made it out of 10, but I made each question worth 3 because there were different things in there. We're going to get a completely different percent on that. And so the information we were communicating to parents wasn't necessarily accurate or it was biased just based on teacher choice. So while they thought it was informative, it was really just informative on that individual classroom's grading practices and how their student needed to get through the system of that classroom, not specific in terms of how the student was performing or what the teacher needed to do to help that and the parent to get that child more close to proficiency in that specific area.
0: So when you're talking about informing students and informing parents and giving accurate feedback. Lindsay, can you talk about the work that you've been doing with math tests? Uh, because I understand that's a big part of, of that as well.
2: Yeah, so Nicole Walker and I, who is she's the instructional coach at Melinda Heights, we've taken all of our math tests K-6 and really looked at how to make them align more closely with the standards and the language of the standards. And then we have for every item on every test, put the standard that it aligns with. And then at the top of each test added a box that has the cluster that relates to what's on the report card and what teachers put into ARIES so that they're breaking it down by that skill, that cluster of standards. So they aren't just, putting a total score for a math test, because on our math test, oftentimes we have multiple standards, multiple areas that we're assessing, because we teach standards together in math. They're not all isolated. And so this way we're able to look at, okay, a student is able to add and subtract within 20, but they still need to work on identifying their shapes and measurements with that, or whatever it may be. But it's giving us more precise information to use.
0: So it's giving the teacher and the parent and ultimately the student more information about what their strengths are and what areas of growth they might have.
2: Absolutely. And, and I can use that information as a teacher to know what I need to follow up with that student on, where their highest area of need is, versus just getting a two on a whole math test. I don't really know what that means. I don't know where they're, they struggled or where they really were successful.
1: I think math, and this was all done too, because math was really the biggest Sticking point um, for teachers because when you shift to something like this, you have the choice as a teacher to develop your own assessments to assess an individual standard. But the way that our math tests are designed, there's so many standards in there. And so teachers were really struggling to just with the time to figure out each question and what those standards were. Not that they couldn't figure that out, but just the time to do that for each and every test. And how do you write that down? And how do you record that so that you don't end up with just a percentage? Because it's really easy on a math test, there's a certain number of things they are right or wrong to not just resort to converting a percent to a grade.
0: Because so. because it's about, it, even in math, it's about the skills and the mm-hmm. process of getting to the right answer, not just did you get to the right answer. That's right. You right? could
1: get a certain number of problems wrong that might have equated to a B in traditional grading, but it demonstrates mastery. Um, or it could have equated to a C. It's mastery, it's a three. Um, the, the four is is it requires a little
2: bit of going above and beyond that in math in particular. I was just going to say that's definitely the request I get most often now is, well, can we just have a, a sample bank for each test, an additional question or two that we give to students that are four, and it's consistent district-wide. And so I've been talking to teachers and school sites about them starting to really have that conversation and what does a four look like here? How can we take you know what the standards were on this test and really move it above and beyond and then we also know that there's other ways to assess that a student's a four they might get a three in that standard on the test because hopefully are, you know, we're making our our tests very standards aligned. So they've shown proficiency in that standard. But in class, are they modeling? Are they using the discourse that is above and beyond the standard, making connections that are above and beyond the standard? That's where a student could have a three on these assessments, but still get a four on their report card because they're going above and beyond in their thinking and showing the teacher that in other ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, and then another interesting thing we started to explore um, is the idea of curriculum compacting, which is kind of um, popular in the world of gifted and talented education. But for any student that's excelling in math, if you're able to give them a pretest and they're able to demonstrate proficiency of that standard to you, of course, you can see how important the pretest is itself. If they're able to truly demonstrate proficiency, they can have alternate assignments that go deeper with that standard, um, not doing something different in social studies, but doing something deeper in math with that standard, and that's another way that they could get a four. But we really want to emphasize to teachers that it doesn't mean you have to pre-assess, give a whole other unit of study, put extra problems on every math test. It can just be you listening, like Lindsay said, for that discourse and those unusual connections And, and ways to celebrate that student. We're not looking for ways to knock students down and not give them the four. We're looking for ways that we can support that type of thinking and that exceeding of standards.
0: Thank you for coming here to talk with us about standards-based grading, and we'll put information and resources to uh, links to a lot of the research on our show notes. And I hope you found this useful. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank for you. Us. Thanks for having us, and for all your support.
2: It's so crazy how much I stumble over my words so much more when it's not math. And then when it's math, I know exactly what to say. Mm. But like this first standardized grading thing, like I knew what I wanted to say. It was kind of, bleh. <laughs> and it was like not coming out. But then like then the math, I feel like it just comes as out. That's perfect. <laughs>